I've been training and racing in the Tour de France just to work in your garden. And that was Marilyn Trout. And if you don't know her name, you should. And we will correct that later in this episode. Welcome to the Canadian Cycling Magazine podcast. I'm Matthew Piaro, editor, and with me is Dan Walker, social media editor. Dan, how's it going? Dude, my legs are barbecued. <laughs> Dude? Dude. <laughs> what is that it? Is, that's the only way to describe it. So you're coming off of a, a the Canada, Canada Day ride. Okay. Yeah. Out on the Lake Simcoe. Okay. Here uh, north of the city in Toronto. Beautiful day. Great for the tan. Great for also the sunburn. Uh oh. I had the fantastic tan slash burn through the jersey. So I had the bib strap tan lines on my back right now. That's a next level of uh, yeah. tan line. So when you're at the beach, people can really ask you questions about what's going they on. They might think I'm an outdoor wrestler. You know, maybe like I'm a low level professional wrestler in like a car dealer parking lot with a. The unitard on. Aim high, buddy. Aim yeah. high. Um, well, it is nice yeah. that uh, summer is in full effect, and we're recording this shortly after Canada Day weekend, shortly after Road Nationals, which will come up in our full send no send segment. What about you? I uh, I think I saw a little one taking some pedals on with no training wheels on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the little Grom is was on her pedal bike. Um, and you know, I was trying to keep it cool, like way to go. That's really good. But in my head, it's like explosions of joy. Is this the first summer without the strider bike um, or balance bike? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like that was a, that Big was deal. what we call a breakthrough performance. Nice. She's had a few moments of like. Like she's been on the balance bike and there was... If she was some... on exert, it would be like a, a big breakthrough. <laughs> she would have caught a cold breakthrough. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was cool to see that. Um, and uh, But then she was back in the trailer for, for some... Because, you know, she knows so when, how to get around. When you're carrying the trailer, are you carrying her bike and her in the trailer? I've done that, but not this past weekend. Okay. I have like carried her, her bike. We've gone to the bike park. And I've thrown her and her bike back in the trailer. That's really good for like you know, serious training. Serious. It's like the equivalent of putting ankle weights on when you go for a run. Exactly. But um, yeah, summertime. Onto this episode. Onto this summertime. episode. It's the tour. It, this is our special tour episode. So we are going to get deep into uh, Marilyn Trout's story, who whom you heard at the top of the the show, and also her team from the 1984 Tour de France Feminine. It was a very significant event that is underreported. Um, writer Dan Dakin has a story on it in the current issue of Canadian Cycling Magazine. And it's, it's one that we're, we're proud to, to get out there. Um, and then in full send, no send, what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about the two tours that are going on in July. The two tours. The two tours. Well, I know of one in France. Yes. But you know what? So a lot of people don't know where the other one is, and it's probably their fault. So we'll get into that. Oh, there's a bit of anger in there. I like that. Yes. So special Tour de France, but not just Tour de France, special tour edition. Yes. Special tours edition. Special yeah. tours edition. But first, let's head back to 1984. 
quick. Who's the first Canadian to finish in the top 10 at the tour? Steve Bauer, right? In 1985? Well, there's a Canadian who finished 8th in the tour the year before. Marilyn Trout, who was Marilyn Wells at the time, competed in the 1984 Tour de France Féminine. Her teammate, Kellyanne Way, is the first North American to win a tour stage a year before Greg LeMond won a time trial stage and two years before Davis Finney won a road stage. But it's almost impossible to find stories about Trout and Way's accomplishments as well as their teammates, who include Suzanne Lemieux, Hilary Brown, Senta Bauermeister, and Jacqueline Shaw. Of that group, Trout is very much the historian. She went back into her journals from 35 years ago for stories from that significant Tour de France feminine. Marilyn Trout, as I understand the story, going into the first modern incarnation of the Tour de France feminine, it was a, it was a bit of a consolation race for you and your teammates. Um, in June 1984, what were you guys uh, trying out for uh, at that time? What was, the, what was the big goal of that year in 1984? Well, like, the big goal was making the 1984 Olympic team. I mean, that was the number one. That was the first year for the women to have any cycling event um, at the Olympics. And so that, that is the drive. The drive of any um, country is that quadrennial plan for um, going from Olympic to Olympics. Their budget is that way, their racing plan is that way. And so that is the typical uh, plan of, um, uh, of athletes. At least for me, um, the uh, Olympics weren't as um, enticing, really, as the Tour de France. Um, the Tour de France was the, the ultimate for a cyclist, and I love stage racing. One day races, uh, they were uh, they were not as um, uh, not as passionate. I wasn't as passionate about a one day race, although they were so important because that usually chose uh, the riders um, for an event, um, winning the national championships, winning the world trials. That gave you an automatic spot to uh, those uh, those big events. Um, but being chosen for the Tour de France secretly inside, that was the, that was the epitome of, um, of, of, of a cycling career. So that, I, I think, yes, it was the B riders, but, um, but as a cyclist, oh my goodness, to go to the Tour de France, that was, uh, that was, a, that was a real goal. You were chosen for that squad, as well as five other women uh, from Canada. And uh, around that time, Jacques Anquetil wrote in Le Kip uh, about this uh, new Tour de France feminine. Do you remember what he wrote? Uh, it, was, um, it was something that would fire any female up, that uh, female athlete. Uh, I think that he would prefer that a woman um, be in a short skirt rather than on the saddle of a bike, and um, we weren't uh, we weren't capable of doing such a feat. And uh, I believe he wasn't alone um, in, in that whole um, mindset. Um, but that didn't matter to to us, and certainly that has never mattered to me 
with my goals as a cyclist that it be gender related. It would. It was always a personal goal for me, no matter what other people had said or you know you're paving the way for other women. Um, I didn't think about it like that. I thought about it as an opportunity uh, to see what I could do in my sport because this would not last forever. And so it was, it was so much more personal, personal than, um, uh, than proving uh, something to somebody um, that, that, um, that held, held more weight to me of what my personal goals were. How were you and your teammates received in France when you arrived? We were treated like queens. Uh, we had the best hotels. Um, we had the best food. And I just remember uh, doing our transfers, going from our finish line to the next start town, and uh, being in that long caravan with, uh, with the luggage vehicles and with the team cars. And people would just hang out their windows and wave, just like we were queens coming to their little town. Even if we weren't stopping, but just driving through, it was just getting a glimpse of, of the Tour de France. Um, I imagine they, they knew that we were women, women, but it really didn't matter to them, and it certainly didn't matter to us because of the reception that we had. Um, having those great hotels, having the great food was a nice change. I remember trying to get uh, in shape for the Tour de France, and we went down to a race in Texas, and it was a super race. But for those that weren't on teams, uh, there was one time that we had to stay um, at, um, in a rodeo town. And the only place that we could stay, uh, and the B riders went there, was um, a cowboy's quarters. And we had to stay above the uh, pig pens. And so um, there, were some, there were some tough times to get to that point where you're treated as queens. From sleeping above pig pens to the Tour de France caravan, that sounds like quite the contrast. Oh, yes, yes. So we definitely took the being treated as queens. So you were treated well there, but what kind of support did you have before you got to France? Like, was your flight paid for? And, and how much uh, kit or gear did you, did you have on you? Well, uh, being a historian like I am, I do have the ticket. I did see the ticket even this morning when I um, opened up my training diary. And we left on June 26th, uh, three days after the last stage of the Nair Classic, which was the Olympic trials. Um, we had that paid for. Uh, whenever you do an international race with the Canadian team, um, from what I understand, uh, that is covered by the uh, host event. Um, however, we did not have um, kit per se. Uh, we had our own bikes. Um, if we didn't have spare wheels, um, well, my spare wheels were pretty, um, they couldn't be transferred between, between bikes. There was no standardization. Um, I had to use, um, uh, in one race, I had to use uh, Mavic uh, neutral support, and the brakes uh, didn't work on that neutral bike. And the coach said to me, oh, you have to go fast. You don't need any brakes. 
Well, that's just what happens when you're over there. But we all had to use our personal bikes, um, and what we brought, that's what we had. We didn't have any um, uh, uh, sweatsuits um, at all. Uh, we had a gray sweatsuit, uh, a sweat top with Nike on it, and somebody put a Canadian flag on our shoulders to identify what country we're in uh, or from. We had uh, jerseys, but the jerseys that were given to us had to be returned when we finished the tour. So the, there was no mementos to bring back. Um, I remember purchasing a skin suit, so I brought that over. But um, only what we brought, that's what we had. Um, I remember one stage, um, uh, the bikes that were on top of the car um, was um, the mechanics from Canada and also the coaches. And my bike, the derailleur had broken, uh, oh, several K into the race. And I had to get off and because uh, it was just jammed. And uh, I had the coach's bike, and the coach's bike was way too big, and I was just reaching for those pedals. Uh, but you just, you just made things work. You didn't, you didn't get hung up on what you didn't have. What was the dynamic like between the Canadians and the other riders at the at the tour? Oh, I have great memories of that. The tour is like nothing else. There are state races uh, around the world, but there's not the camaraderie that you have in a big tour like that in Europe, uh, because you're traveling from. T- uh, uh, transfer, t- you know, or transfers from the finish town to the start town. Um, I would usually go into the broom wagon, and um, that's just a vehicle. Uh, it usually would follow the race, and if there was any problem or a, a rider abandoned, then then they would go into the broom wagon. But um, I found out that there was it was just a big international sort of a party. Uh, between towns, and the Brits would be in there, Americans, Dutch, and just a um, um, a small group there. And it was a point for me to relax between races and just to see that these riders were simply human, loved a good joke, and they would love to sing. And it was um, it it just provided another layer of camaraderie, and just seeing the how people were outside. Of, of racing. There was just a great friendship there and still a friendship that lasts today with uh, riders that I met uh, throughout my experiences at the Tour de France. So it was a, it was a wonderful experience of family. Um, when we, we would stay at different hotels, but maybe there would be three or four countries at that same hotel and we would just be eating together in the morning. So you didn't feel like there was any you just felt like um, um, a big family that had to get a job done and someone was going to win the race at the end of the day. And uh, you still wanted to do that. But it was just an interesting dynamic. What uh, what songs were you guys singing in the, uh, oh. the broom wagon between uh, town transfers or stage <laughs> transfers? Well, it was probably not me leading. Um, I would just follow along and make noise. But um, I remember the Dutch. Uh, the Dutch, uh, they were a phenomenal group, just phenomenal. They just seemed like great friends that um, 
They didn't care who won the race as long as it was an orange jersey. And they had a great sense of humor. And they were so confident. Um, whenever you saw an orange jersey cross the line, you would see one arm. But about 25 meters back, you would see another arm grow up, go up all the time. So I always saw two arms, and it, was, it would be the lead-out rider. And um, I treated the Dutch as my tutors because they were so um, dominant in the race. Really up until, I think, three-quarters of the race where Marianne Martin, you know, snuck in with, um, she was hanging about in second spot overall. But Helena Haga, she, she was pretty dominant in the overall GC. But any one of those six uh, Dutch riders had a wicked sprint and had the savvy to, to know where to be in that, in that final sprint. They had prepared as a team. Whereas, of course, we were, we were really a ragtag group of just enthusiastic riders who supported one another. And I think in all of my career, that 1984 team was really a highlight. Um, there was, um, it was a selfless team. It, it just was a different dynamic. And I think one of the different dynamics there is because we had, we had Jacqueline Shaw and we had Hillary Matt, who were triathletes, who were uh, not in the cycling community but they, want, they were so motivated to learn how to bike race because they were so um, tuned to being lone riders because they had to time trial all the time in the triathlon. And in this dynamic, they um, had to be within a team and they were so willing to work so hard. They were so strong. Um, uh, when that time that I had the mechanical and had to use the coach's bike, uh, and my bike got jammed. Um, I had to wait and wait and wait for the team car, but lo and behold, there were two riders that came back from me, and it was, um, I believe, one of them was Hillary, and they paced me back up to the pack. Uh, the team car came up and said, Marilena, you have to get off your bike and get back on your bike. I said, ain't no way I'm getting back off my bike I don't want to chase again. And they said, nope, got to get off. Got off, and they gave my bike back, and I was concerned, oh, I have to chase again, because we had a team meeting saying, because I was the highest on GC, I was the team leader that they would work for and, and would try and get away and get time in a break. And everything was falling apart at that time. But lo and behold, these two riders came back, and I think it was Hillary, Hillary Matt and Sue Lemieux. And I was so pumped at that point. Um, I just wanted to execute that plan. <laughs> they came back. I flew by them. They got on my wheel. But I had never experienced that before with such team support. And I think one of the reasons why is... Uh, the system that we had is that every race was a race for uh, personal points to get um, so we could get to the world championships uh, for a later date. And it was sort of instilled in us that if we worked for someone else and if someone else got the result, then we would put ourselves in jeopardy. And that's just the way it was. So no one ever worked for 
anybody else. I do know that that changed years later because the coaching changed, the system changed, and there was um, uh, there was recognition for uh, riders that that worked for another rider for the overall good, for the overall uh, general classification, or the overall win. But at that point in time, it was every man for itself. I really felt it was, more times than not, a group of individuals that wore the Canadian jersey rather than, rather than a team working for a common good. And, uh, but in 1984, that, that was... Um, that yes it was a ragtag group but boy we were wearing the same jersey and we um we took that plan to heart and we would work hard for each other you mentioned the dutch riders were in a sense your your tutors and uh, they were they were quite a dominant team especially at the the beginning of that race but um it was the Canadians, I believe, who kind of uh, schooled them on stage eight. What do you do? You, what do you remember about stage eight and who was first across the line on that day? Uh, my teammate Kellyanne Way, her forte was time trialing, and she used that um, to win that stage. I believe she broke away about a kilometer from the end of the breakaway that she was in, and uh, to win that stage. Um, what the plan was, once we started popping into um, the top five, and we knew that we could mix it up, and we started getting confident, we started having the plan of, okay, let's keep on attacking. Let's always have a Canadian in the break. And so um, I just recalled in my, in my journal here that... Um, that there would be multiple attacks, counterattacks, but a Canadian always had to be in there. And so that day on stage eight, um, after several attacks of myself being in a break, one of the other teammates being in a break, then finally that break got away and um, Hillary and Kellyanne were in that break. And um, uh, with any of the Dutch in the break, uh, you can't play into the sprinter's hand. And so Kellyanne was um, was uh, smart to break away with her uh, gift of time trawling a kilometer from the end and having Hillary cover for her if any of the Dutch uh, tried to follow her. So uh, that was the beginning of, okay, we can do this. And so that was our plan every day. We had to be in the break. Instead of being defensive, we were on the offense. We would initiate things. You raced 18 stages. Um, what is maybe the biggest highlight across all of those all of those days of racing? Hmm. Well, for me, um, I have I have three stages. Stage five, um, I broke into the top five. I was always hanging in the top ten. And if you can get in the top 10, you can get in the top five. Get in the top five, you can get in the top three. Get in the top three, you can win. I was fifth. And I said in my journal that I held the Dutch wheel all the way to the end. 
And that was a real confidence booster for me to be able to maneuver in that final chaotic sprint and hold that wheel because I thought, if I can hold the wheel to the end, I can win. Um, and I could see what they did and how they maneuvered. Um, so that was a confidence booster for me. In stage 12, that was huge for um, um, going for a higher GC and um, with our Canadian plan of always having a Canadian in the break, um, it was just, for me to race, it had to be bigger than myself. The purpose for me being there had to be bigger than myself. And so th this purpose was to have that Canadian jersey and, and, and have it higher than 10th overall and 8th overall. And at that point, I think I was 7th overall. And so the team said, we'll work for you to get you in the top five. Um, so in stage stage 12, there was, I think, a 12K climb. And there was um, a journalist, Samuel Apt, um, who wrote On the Road with the Tour de France. And of course, it was, it was a book about the men, but then uh, one chapter was, was one about the women. And lo and behold, on stage 12, he was in our team car. And so I have a running account of the dialogue or, or the monologue that the coach had with me of, Marilyn, you can do it. Don't just stay here. Get up the, to those five riders before the top of the before the top of the climb. You can do it. So my confidence was being shouted at me throughout that climb, and um, uh, uh, that was a real boost for me. Uh, not only in that single race, the overall tour, and into my racing uh, career to come, which lasted with the Canadian team until 1988. And the last stage uh, was that stage that I referred to um, in stage 16, where I came third. And I was in a breakaway with two French, uh, three French, two Dutch, and an American. And, um, and uh, the plan was for a Canadian to be in the break, get some time for GC, to bump you up in GC. And that mechanical happened, and I overcame a number of things that I had not experienced before, and that was a that was huge for my career to know that I could be up there. Um, I could win a race. The next day, I was back to oh, can I do it? I never did have a coach. The only person I had was actually a, a running coach, who um, who I came to know, and um, I needed that for my. Um, uh, uh, my psychological boost, not the technical. I could get that from other riders and other teams. Uh, so that particular stage into Grenoble was was um, Grenoble, and then also stage 16 where I came third. That I could I could mix it up with the best in the world there, and um, so I think those three stages, uh, not just one, but those three, just just added to that three-legged stool of uh, being a better uh, better cyclist. Uh, when the race was over, Canada had racked up uh, a stage win at the Tour. Um, uh, your teammate, um, Kellyanne Way, was the, is the first North American to win a stage 
at the tour. She she predated uh, Greg Lamond and uh, and um, Davis Finney. Um, you were in eighth in GC. That's where you you finished. So you were the the first Canadian to get into the top ten at the tour um, before Steve Bauer got tenth uh, uh, in his debut tour. These are these are significant stats. Um, yet not so many people know of the accomplishments of of those six riders of you and your your five teammates why not hmm that's a big question um i don't know i don't know they were those were big accomplishments uh for women women or men um i i don't know they got lost in the Annals of history, they were just a number. Uh, I don't know, because they were they were huge to each one of us women. Um, I, I'm sure there are answers out there of why, why someone didn't grab a hold of that. I do know that um, I have um, the newspaper clippings, and certainly, you know, seven-eighths of it is seven paragraphs are about the men. And then, you know, even when Kellyanne won, it was a joyride for Kellyanne, I think it said. But there was just one sentence there. Um, I remember being in racing in Europe in 1985. And um, for some reason, there was a recap of the Tour de France for women of the 1984 tour. And I thought, there I am. I would love to have some coverage that I could see that I was racing, but I don't have any 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 video, any any coverage that way. I don't have any um, audio. I don't. I have pictures. Oh, I have plenty of pictures. Um, I would track down photographers in the tour, and I would track them down in Paris after the tour, and they would be more than willing to give all these black and white photos, which I got. But um, as far as Canada, um, um, the world, um, recognizing, maybe not even recognizing, but just having an historical account of this. I think um, several years ago when they started to have La Course for the tour, and um, uh, it was said that it's about time that the women have um, a part of the Tour de France. And I'm thinking, what? That already happened. And we need, we need you know, a couple of stages. And I'm thinking, we already did that. <laughs> we did that in 1984 when we had three weeks of racing. We didn't have the, the, the uh, full, full distance. But to tell you the truth, after doing you know, several category ones, one climbs and climbing over the Alps and the or category uh, climbs and, and, and to have some women saying, oh, they should do the distance of the men. I'm thinking, no, they haven't even done our distance yet. I, you know, so one thing at a time. But um, yeah, I was, uh, I'm very perplexed by uh, statements that, that uh, come out like that. And it might even be by a women who say, yes, we need to have this now. And I'm thinking, oh, there are books out there. It has happened. 
Um, yes, should we reinstate it? Oh, I think that would be a good thing. But uh, why is it lost? I don't have the answers to that. And does it, does it bug you? Oh, yeah, because I'm a history nut. And that is not how history unfolded for us, which was huge. It was huge to us personally. It was huge to us as a team. It was, um, um, yes, it might be on paper, the B riders, um, but nonetheless, it happened. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense uh, what is done, you know, and and how it is recorded and how it, uh, the value of an event and what someone has done. But I am sure, uh, happy that 35 years later, that you have, um, you have taken an interest in what happened so long ago with what a group of six riders did from Canada. Can you see any influence from maybe that group of six or, or even that event in 1984? Even if it's a quiet influence, do you, do you see any uh, effects of that uh, even today? I think for that 1984 Tour de France, oh yes, I still think there's ripples uh, today with the modern, the modern women, the, the modern riders, the contemporary riders that are riding today that are on the backs of, of what has been done previously. And only the riders that, um, that were in that moment can understand exactly um, how, where they fit in to that big tapestry that we see on the wall. And we see that one color, that one little thread that goes throughout that whole tapestry. And we can say, you know, that, start, that little thread, it started in 1984. And we know that that's us because that influenced this person and this person and this person and this person. And there's that thread that goes all the way to 2019. But many times we just see that big picture or we're looking at that tapestry in one corner of where someone else influenced someone else in the, you know, whether it be Canadian cycling or whatever it is. And um, um, so uh, that's how I uh, treat the whole um, adventure and wonderful experience that I was a part of in 1984. What do you think of the, the state of women's road racing today? Oh, wow. Well, I wish there was more coverage. It's so wonderful to see when we see Flesh Alone or some of these classics or the Tour de Under, and they actually have a little bit of coverage of the women, even if it's in a smaller box, a running commentary. Oh, this is what's happening um, uh, at the finish line. This is what's happening 10K from the finish. So it is a slow go with uh, women's sport, women's cycling, but uh, there is, um, it's, it's going in a good direction. Oh, I'm so, I follow the Canadian riders. Um, I read their results. Um, I've always been a results person. When we would uh, um, be getting ready uh, to, to turn out the light, uh, my uh, teammate, Denise Kelly, 
uh, she would say, Marilyn, you are weird. Well, I knew that already, but she said, Marilyn, you're so strange. She said, here I'm reading a book to get my mind off of cycling, and here you're combing through with a pen, writing down all the results. What are you doing? Oh, I said, just getting things in my mind of where everybody is and their numbers and their time. And uh, so anything cycling, I just... Um, I just uh, really enjoy, but um, so I keep tracks on track on the Canadian women, uh, the uh, road and and the um, track cup, the world uh, world track cup. Um, I have been following those women. I had the pleasure of being a part of the Canadian coaching staff in the 2012 um, Exergy Tour, and um, many of those riders um, are still racing top level. Um, Carol Ann uh, Kenwell just won the Canadian Road Championships this week after breaking a collarbone, um, I think it was in Italy this year, and uh, she was at that Exergy Tour. And uh, so I just love uh, journeying with riders that I have come to know in the past, and even those that I don't know, and just um, giving a, a big cheer for the, the Canadian women who are on um, professional teams um, around the world and, and uh, uh, you know, making a mark for, for Canada. Do you tell people that you meet at parties or maybe day-to-day uh, -day in your work that you've ridden the Tour de France? Um, yeah. Um, I have a small um, landscaping business. I had... Um, a uh, small coaching business called Mountain Petals with a D. And now I have Mountain Petals with a T, uh, landscaping <laughs> and design. And uh, when it's very inclement weather, we have pretty violent weather here at times in Colorado. And the storm just comes over the mountain and, and just strikes. And it is pouring and the, the, the water's rushing. And my clients... <laughs> Uh, open up the window, Marilyn, go home, go home, it's enough, it's enough. And uh, no, I've, I've just got two more shrubs to dig in, I'm almost done. And uh, I said, I've been, I've been training and racing in the Tour de France just to work in your garden. And of course, it's a laugh, but it is, there is truth in that, because that mentality doesn't, doesn't leave you. You might hang up the race wheels, but um, but that but that drive is still there, and my cycling career definitely changed um, changed me in 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 every way. My my greatest joy in my landscaping is actually when people say that I'm a landscape coach. Um, I love that teamwork, and that's why that 1984 team was so. Um, was so wonderful to me um, because I am a team player at heart. Oh yes, I can work alone. I have my landscape business. I, I'm the only one, but um, but I love working as a team and that the teamwork comes with perhaps a client who said, just teach me, just teach me, I'll work with you. And uh, and then we work for a common common goal. So it, ha it hasn't left me. Um, it is very much a part of uh, my everyday life. Marilyn Trout, thank you very much. Very welcome. Thanks so much, Matthew. Marilyn Trout is a former national team rider. She's from St. Catharines, Ontario. 
1984, she competed in the Tour de France Féminine. She finished 8th overall. Today, she lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And welcome to Full Send, No Send, special tours edition and timerless edition. Dun, dun, dun. Because Dan says we have so much to get through, we are not going to be constrained by a stopwatch. No, time and the stopwatch is just an artificial construct. So It is. It, that usually keeps us focused. <laughs> but uh, let's, let's focus first on the Giro Rosa. What's the full name of the Giro Rosa? Go, quick. Jira Feminine Italia. Oh, stop, no. stop, stop. It's, I, but I wouldn't have done much better because I prepared. Um, uh, Giro d'Italia Internationale Feminile, I think is how you sure. pronounce it. Anyway, uh, Giro Rosa for short. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to call it. Um, it is probably the most important women's race. Yeah, it is. Yeah? Okay, not yeah. probably. I it think- is. I think so, especially considered that way in the women's peloton. Yep. Um, and we have uh, two Canadians there, uh, Leah Kirchman, a recent uh, national TT champ. And That's she's right. been she's been like everything road champ at one time or another. Um, and she, she usually does really well on the prologue. Yes. She w- was in pink on Canada Day in 2014, and her team won the Triple T in 20... Was it last year? I think it was last year. Um, likely she'll, I don't know, she'll probably have some opportunities. She'll just have some opportunities. She's been doing really well. She had an awesome second at the OVO Women's Tour just a couple of weeks ago. That's like the key buildup. That's the Dauphiné to the women's uh, to the women's calendar, to the tour, to the Rosa, Jura Rosa, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. If you- Picking up what I'm putting down. Word. Uh, and then I think Carol and Kenya will also be there representing the Maple Leaf. Yes. Yeah. Uh, road champion. Yep. So at nationals. I always love when the road champ is a European pro. So you get more exposure for that cool national jersey. Yes. You know, it's always a little disappointing when it's like a continental guy or a continental woman here. Where it's like you're not really seeing it at the tour. You like to have it represented. I mean, yeah. It's good to get uh, get the Maple Leaf abroad. Um, let's see. Who else are we we keeping an eye on for that event? Ashley Mulman Passio. I mm. think she's who I would peg. She's had really? been super crashy this year, though. Uh, so if she can keep it up on two wheels, I think she is one to watch. Uh, of course, she does have a chair team with uh, Mariana Voss. So yeah, uh, you know, maybe they go for the the not the trident of movie star but the two-pronged attack uh the pitchfork of bowls or no i'm sorry of ccc right <laughs> um yeah that those are the two i would uh, have my eye on uh there's also Cassia niamadoma who you know she won amstel she was second at the uh energy women's tour seventh last year yeah she's, no she's, she's been on form well. this year mm-hmm. but you know what matt what here's where i'm going no send on this race Oh, you are going no send on the biggest women's race of the year. I'm going to do it. And you know what? You know whose fault it is? Whose fault is The it? race organizer's fault. Well, they're easy to blame. You know what? Why is your race during the tour? During tour the, the Tour de France? Yes, exactly. You know what? You want people to care. Don't put it during the biggest race on the calendar. When should they put it? I don't know. Right before, right after, 
pretty much any other time than the three weeks where everyone is watching cycling in France in July. You know, there is merit to your argument. I uh, I will not disagree, but let me just play devil's advocate. Maybe, maybe the organizers thought the glow of the tour would also somehow get people's eyeballs over to the Giro Rosa. It's like people... This is the time of year when, you know, casual cyclists are interested in in cycling or even not, and even like, um, you know, grandparents who just like to watch the tour for the, the tourism yeah. <laughs> elements. Like yeah, people, the castle chats. The castle chats. People come out for the tour. And um, so maybe there'll be a, a sort of like an osmosis effect something, of something like osmosis or something like, Oh look, there's this other race going on. But this is it. I don't think people have really the attention for tour stages anymore. So to go over and try and pay attention to another race where because of the lack of coverage and women's cycling, they don't really know the characters as well anyways. So by having to share the spotlight, we're just doing them a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. Well, you, so you're... you know what? No send Jira Rosa change your dates. So really, you're no send on your your dates. On the dates, no. The race is great. It's the most important race on the calendar. We got tons of Canadians who can actually do things in that race, and a, and a Canadian ton is too. But yeah. I, I take <laughs> your point. I take your point. I mean, it's the same we'll have in the tour, but that's right. In well, the, in the Giro Rosa, they might play more of a starring role. Well, here we go. Uh, then on to that other bike race oh, that's that going on in, yeah, yeah. in July. Uh, it it does end the the Canuck drought that has been going, yeah. um, or this year marks the end of the Canuck drought. Um, can you remember who the last Canuck was in the Tour de France? It was two years ago. Two years, twenty sixteen. Swain Tuft. Nope. He's mm. not going to be there this year because he recently had ah, an operation. Duchenne. Yeah, that's right. Tony Antoine the Tiger. Duchenne. Tony the Tiger was there in twenty sixteen with Direct Energy. Um, but this year, uh, two debutants, de- mm-hmm. de- debut riders, debut riders making their debuts. Yes. We have, uh, Michael Woods and Hugo Uhl. Yeah, no, uh, he just came out with a nice, uh, comment, uh, through the EF Education First release saying he's going to be out there attacking every day, putting his face, putting the Canuck face in front of the camera. So, uh, yeah, those kids can be like Mike when they're growing up and, and they can and be inspired. Who- what did that make you think of? The Be Like Mike? The Be Like Mike Gatorade commercial? <laughs> That's right. Uh, his quote was, uh, I'm here to be active and influence the outcome so that some Canadian kid back at home can watch and say, That's Mike Woods. I want to grow up and race like Mike Woods. That's what motivates me. Um, what a guy. That's cool. No, yeah. that's cool. He takes his, uh, his, his role as a role model seriously. And... Yeah, this goes back to our last full send, no send, where we were debating, do we want him on GC? Do we want him for stage, stage wins? wins? Yeah. Sounds stage winny. Sounds stage winny. Sounds super domestique-ish, if you will. Yes. Um, you know, they are going there with hopes of Rigoberto Uran replicating his uh, second place finish from not the year this year, but the year yeah, before. 2017. Um, you know, and uh, Rico's a guy who's easy to cheer for, easy to, I'm sure, easy to work for if, uh, from what we see on the behind the scenes in the bus mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. accurate. Mm-hmm. Looks like a ton of fun. Maybe the best hair in the tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy's got some flow that would make a K-pop star jealous. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's... And, and if uh, if you want to go check out his dance moves to a little Jaime Belvin. I've uh, seen his dance moves. What was the one where he had the, the, the fur hat? Yes, that was to uh, Jaime himself. Thank you. Okay, I, I won't sing it because my it's because my Spanish isn't very good. 
wise wise yeah. so that's on the the, the ef uh, education first front um and as we mentioned the other canuck is ugo ul he uh is on astana and i'm i think Jakob fuglesang is going yeah. to be there yeah fuglesang is their gc man uh yeah i guess that brings us to the gc contenders mm-hmm. let's start with the dane himself mm-hmm. uh you know fuglesang probably if you took away the name Fuglesang and you just said Ryder X has won the Dauphiné uh, third at Torino mm-hmm. first at Liège this year mm-hmm. you'd be like oh this guy's primed to to win this guy's run the right track it sounds like it you're right yeah but Fuglesang me once shame on you wow. Fuglesang me twice just shame on me um there you go yeah um yeah 12th at the tour last year I think seventh is his best result ever at the tour I know, and so he, he he's going well. His team has been on fire mm-hmm. this year. You would think, but I'm still hesitant to uh, to put uh, money down on him. Um, yeah, maybe in the top ten, I would I'd be feeling that. But top three, I don't. This I, is it. I don't. He's never think done it so. when it counts at the tour. Uh, I don't think so. And then you've got Adam Yates and Simon Yates, but they'll be working for Adam. Mm-hmm. Which one is which? I don't know, but. You know, it's the one named Adam that they'll be working for. Um, you know, so I think he's got a decent chance for a podium. Mm-hmm. Um, they always seem to have a bad day. He's had a good result in the tour. He's been fourth back in 2016. Not a great year this year. Sick at the Dauphiné. Always a little worried of someone coming off an illness. Mm-hmm. Um, you what, know, what are then, your feelings on um, Ineos? Ineos. Bernal, the guy's on fire. He really but is. that is a ton of pressure on a kid who's 22. Yep. Uh, he's never really led the team at a at a grand tour. He was He's done a tour, which helps. He kind of knows the what the circus is going to be like. It's true. So, but having that pressure on you to be there day in, day out, I think it'll be too much for him. Really? I see him cracking the top 10. And for your first GC campaign, that's going to be pretty good. Thomas... Geraint Thomas, defending champ. Defending champ. What has he done this year? Other than like, He's had you know, a pretty... launch a book, launch a beer, crash. Do we call that a conservative buildup? Uh, that would be one way to put it. Okay. Um, but I just, he's not done anything good. So if you're looking at his form beyond his history, what do you get? I don't know. Well, however, um, back to Rigoberto Uran, mm-hmm. who we... Is you know uh, a GC hopeful. Yep. He's had a super conservative buildup, but third at um, Route L'Occitane, which was won by Alejandro Valverde. Um, what else did he do this year? So he he did have the injury earlier in the year with the broken oh. collarbone, but at least um, he's finished. He's got some hard days racing leading up to the tour, finishing in the podium on the podium at what used to be a really prestigious race. Um, now it's kind of the second tier uh, stage race leading up to the tour, but promising direction. Our man T- Geraint, he just crashed. Yeah. But and he's just crashed, and he hasn't had a lot of racing days. So, this says to me, not on form. Maybe he has the whole "I'm coming in undercooked" thing, and we're going to be peaking for the third week of the tour. Ineos is kind of good at that stuff. Davy B, has got a t- runs a tight ship and knows how to get people. You know, in shape. So there's that. Right. Did you see? You saw the the cover of yes, Lake uh, uh, Now or Never or This Year or Never. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pino 
it's I don't think I don't think it's his year because there's been a record heat wave in France. The guy does not go well in the heat, and he always just has one bad day. Yeah, um, yeah. What was it? his last good tour? Was third in 2014. Um, he hasn't been to the tour since 2017, and he was. Uh, I don't think he f- he didn't finish in 16. Uh, oh no, wait, and in 17 he didn't finish. So, so there you go. The, heat, the man does not go well in the heat. <sighs> yeah. And uh, I think there was record temperatures in France. There uh, are. Yes, that's right. The place is cooking. So uh, maybe not our man, not the year for our man Thibault. But the other great French hope, mm-hmm. Roman Bardet, he has been actually pretty consistent at the tour. Mm-hmm. With the few TT kilometers that you have this year, I actually think he has a really good shot to do it. To win it. To win it. Because he's been third and second. Third and second. Going for the chicken dinner this year, <laughs> you know he, he got they got some te- there's a team time trial and then the individual time trial is a sh- pretty short hilly time trial as well, so I think he'll leak time there, but he'll have enough time to recover in the high mountains in the third week. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's our man Nairo. Oh yeah, that guy, that guy who I've stopped betting on. Yeah, you know what? I'm almost re- willing to say he's irrelevant. Whoa, that's that's what. He's actually not done anything worth talking about in the last few years. Wow. Uh, Except, you know, formally win it or get on the podium in the tour way back in the day. Right, right. Results. But he's part of that famous movie star Trident. There you go. Yeah, which has never really worked. Uh, The pitchfork formula seemed to have worked at the Giro for them. Right. Trident. You know, I think a pitchfork, though, has, has three? Has three times as well. What's the, the one that you use to jab your steak with, with the two prongs? Well, I thought I was I was thinking pitchfork, so obviously I'm not farmy You enough. haven't been farming enough. Um, um, yeah, so, you know, look at Landa, Valverde. I think Valverde's just too old. The, the world champion? Yeah, but it's not three weeks. Mm, it's true. That's a one-day race. Is that it for full send no send? Oh, neeb, neebs. Oh. I can't the believe we forgot the shark of Messina. You know, second, okay. I don't think he can win just because he's coming off a full Giro where he was going, really going for it. But, you know, if a couple of the contenders crash out, he's got this like wily veteran thing going on where he just knows yeah. how to put himself in a position to contend. Yeah, yeah. Just keep it steady and then, like a shark, knows when to attack. Dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun. Anyways, who's your, who, give me your head pick, give me your heart pick. Oh, man. That's actually that's really tough. Mm, you know what? I think Garen Thomas can defend it. Okay. I don't. I think. I think the the well oiled machine is going to keep on chugging, and yeah, I'm just gonna be. That's kind of a lame um, sort of head pick. Hard pick is probably Uran. Uran, Uran. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No. That would be so EF, fun. Just, they're so easy to cheer for. They are. They 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 continue that uh, lovable goofball shtick that yeah. they've been rocking that for years but underdogs are always easy to cheer for and they yeah. do a great job of like bringing you behind the scenes mm-hmm. they have some great photographers and if you follow their email list like you get some really cool stuff as well mm-hmm. so yeah i got i'll take i'll take balde for my heart pick okay and I remember, you know not that i have any strong feelings towards the french but i think it'd be nice to have them cheering for a hometown you, uh, you feel the the effects of their drought yes exactly yeah. and then you know what Fool me three times because I'm going Jakob. Jakob <laughs> Fugelsang. 
that's your heart pick? Yeah, that's my head pick. Oh, that's your... Wait a minute, now I'm confused. Barday's my heart pick. Oh, there you go. Fuglesang's my head pick. I think they're both a bit, uh, bit long hardy. shoddy. Yeah, a bit, a bit from the heart. Yeah. Well, all right. There we go. You know what? I'm going full send on the tour this year, though. Really? You're stoked for Bring it? Bring it around. Full send on the tour. Full send of the tour. Oh, does the schedule jive for you? The schedule does jive for me. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Full send, no send. And that's the episode. It's put together by me, Matthew Piaro, and Dan Walker. And we had help from Terry McCall and Philippe Tremblay. It's produced by Adam Killick. He also composed the music. Also, thanks to Ontario Creates for its support. Dan, if someone wants more news, reviews, gear stuff, where should they go? Probably check out cyclingmagazine.ca. That Mm. is the Canadian Cycling Magazine website. Mm -hmm. There, you can find all our social channels as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, We're also on Apple News. Yes. You can check us out there. Also on Apple News Plus, you can get the magazine. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a really good package. Now, who should the people tell about the podcast this week? Okay. So you know those once-a-year cycling fans who tune in for the tour. They, they know the tour, maybe. Um, and then that's it. They tune out. Mm-hmm. Turn those people into hardcore cycling fans by sending them to our podcast. Yeah. Get Make them sure to they're subscribe. no longer dabblers. Make sure they subscribe. That's Make it. sure they rate and review. But uh, five stars, please. And please say something nice. It really helps us out. Also, if you're communicating with us, you can send us an email at podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca. We will take your full send, no send ideas and maybe run with them. Also, we are going to get back to asking our coach, Peter Glassford, questions. So if you have specific questions for Peter, let us know. All right. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you.